Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. We really are born to connect. I mean, it's the sperm and the egg. You're connected in the mother's womb, and then you come out. We long and strive to connect, and the ones that don't want to, to me, are they can be dangerous because you're not seen as a human being, now you're seen as an object. My guest today is named Angela Meyer. She's a clinical certified hypnotherapist, author, motivational speaker, wellness coach, and podcaster. Welcome to the show, Angela. So thank you for having me on your show. My name is Angela Meyer, and I'm the author of The Undetected Narcissist. I'm also a clinical certified hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner, a motivational speaker, and um, I've been voted the best hypnotherapist for the past 12 consecutive years in my area. So I'm really, you know, proud about that. And I just, I focus on Supporting people in understanding mental health, trauma, and let's say personality disorders from a place that is kind and compassionate and shows wisdom instead of the hate, anger, and fear. Because what I've really noticed is as soon as you use the word narcissist, it's like taboo. People are like, no, 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 I don't want to talk about this. They're scary people. But the thing is, a lot of people don't understand is a narcissist isn't born that way. We human beings create them. And if you don't like them, then shouldn't we do something about the way that we, you know, treat one another or the way that a child is parented? Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And I love, I love that we're talking about this when When you first messaged me about being on the show and I saw narcissist <laughs> on, on the title, I too kind of had that reaction of like, oh, what what are we going to get into with this conversation? I I think there's definitely a negative connotation behind the word narcissist, and I, I can't wait for you to unpack that a little bit more and kind of the trait. I mean, I think a lot of us know some of the traits, and we all probably know at least one person that we would categorize as narcissistic, but I would love to hear more of your definition of what that would be. Yes. So there actually are six different categories for narcissism. And a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of us think of them as someone that's really loud and boisterous and very egotistical and materialistic and all of that, but not all of them are that way. 
And for example, I was dealing with a covert narcissist and those are the most dangerous. And the one that I was dealing with, he was shy, he was nerdy, he was quiet, but he was extremely passive aggressive, very, very passive aggressive. And, and that they're harder to detect because you have this persona of what, you know, you, you think you're taught. So in my podcast, I really like to break it down the different types of, you know, narcissists that are out there. And I like to break down the personality disorders because there's six different ways a person becomes narcissistic. The first one is parenting styles. It is either a neglectful parent, and that would be, for example, let's say a woman is extremely beautiful and she has a child, but doesn't really want to interact with a child or have people know that she has a kid because she's just so self-absorbed. The other one is an absent parent, which is like a CEO or president of the company. They'll throw money at the kid, but they're not giving the kid what it really needs is time and, you know, comfort. And then there's a really strict parent, the authoritarian. And those three types of parents were not taught empathy. So how can you model it or teach it to that child? You can't. And then the other three ways is bullying, trauma, and child abuse. So for example, on the trauma, I've been working with this one young girl where when she was 14 years old, her mom accidentally died. And it was so traumatic that for her that she just shut down, completely shut down. And, and she got traumatized again because her dad was traumatized by his wife dying that he couldn't give her the emotional support that she needed. So for her, she learned that her feelings didn't feel safe and that people around her couldn't support her and give her what she needed to heal at that time. So she became very angry. She developed extreme anxiety, struggled with depression and is, is wanting help. She doesn't like, you know, who she's become. And it's because the trauma wasn't handled appropriately. And, you know, in terms of child abuse, that's, you know, the same exact thing is you learn through life experience that the world isn't a safe place, or you learn how to manipulate people and control people to get what you want. And I always like to say, you know, I think it's, it's awesome more shows are coming out teaching us about, let's say, narcissism or different personality disorders but the biggest thing a lot of them are, are showing or saying like the Jeffrey Dahmer one that's you know popular at that's out right now his mom knew something was wrong knew something was wrong with him and that's the hard thing is you could know something's off but who do you talk to and if you decide the person you're going to talk to are they educated enough to tell you these are the patterns and these are the warning signs to look for? So like, for example, um, attachment styles. There's one attachment style 
that clearly is narcissistic and that's the avoidant attachment style. So let's say you have a kiddo and you take him to daycare and that child does not cry or want anything to do with you. It just like, it sits by itself. It does its thing. It doesn't interact with other kids. It's like in its own world. That's not healthy. That's really not healthy because then that child is being, you know, modeled and taught and conditioned that um, you don't want to interact with other people. You don't want to connect with other people. And you're just left to fend for yourself, kind of. And so just that one attachment style is really dangerous and unhealthy when that child grows up. And if, you know, if I was a parent, and I saw that happen, you know, going on with my kiddo, I would do whatever I could to try to connect with it. Because we really are born to connect. I mean, it's the sperm and the egg, you're connected in the mother's womb, and then you come out. And they did a whole study that if you just gave babies its basic vital needs and no love and attention or connection, the children die. They literally, I think it was like in the 1950s, they did this study. And you know, nowadays, they wouldn't do that study at all. But it clearly shows that we long and strive to connect. And the ones that don't want to, to me, are they can be dangerous. Because you're not seen as a human being. Now you're seen as an object. And, and I agree with you that the connection is such a huge part. And I think even bringing that into a recovery theme as well. I think that connection is a huge, huge piece of the recovery puzzles is making those connections with other, other people, whether that be in recovery meetings or however you choose, whatever your flavor of recovery is like having those, those common bonds with other people that have been in those same kind of situations. And yeah, I mean, connection is huge no matter what aspect of life we're talking about. Like we have to, we, we have to have that. It's a, I don't know. I crave that. Like I look forward to having these conversations on the podcast. I look forward to going to work and getting to interact with my customers. Like I, I, there's just something about it. I have to be around people and, and I would even categorize myself as more of an introvert, but, but I, I crave connection. We all do. And I mean, it's like the, the movie Castaway. you can buy the volleyball on Amazon. Yeah. You know, there we just we do and that's the thing is we either want to connect to the planet, you want to connect to either animals cuz that's the thing is you can go to a place on earth that is so magical and so beautiful you can feel that connection. And then you can go to other places on the earth that are destroyed and damaged and you feel that disconnection like a massive forest fire, you walk in that space and you feel just all the sadness. And, and that's the thing is you can find connection with music. You can find connection with dance. You can find connection with reading a book. There's so many ways that we can find to connect when we don't have another human being there. Connection to me means filling that, that cup of love for yourself. Because when our cup is dry, 
we are irritable, we're cranky, we're not we're not fun to be around. We need to do something to give back to ourselves to feel better as as people, as individuals. And that's a huge part of recovery as well. I I agree with you 100% and and like you said we got to fill that cup and I know it's it's super cliche and I'm sure everybody's heard it a thousand times but we got to make sure that our cup is full so that we can then have something to help fill other people that are in our lives to help fill their cups with as well. Well, and when we're way stressed out, you know, that's where self-care comes, you know, even more because even, you know, you're thinking, well, I'm giving, 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 but even when you're not giving to other people, stress can just drain that cup or financial worries or financial problems, or let's say your car breaks down. You know, you have to have the resilience to deal with all those conflicts that, you know, life presents itself with. Absolutely. So you were mentioning one of the attachment styles of the narcissist, and and I believe you said there were six. I would love to hear a little bit more about some of those other attachment styles and, you know, kind of get a better idea of all the different the different styles of narcissism that there are. Well, there, so I would have to literally go grab my presentation book. <laughs> no, so no, there, the best way that I, I describe that, well, that's different. So there's six different types of, you know, narcissists that are out there. Uh-huh. There's different types of a, attachment styles. There's a, a secure attachment style, which is the, you know, a normal, healthy one. There's a trauma attachment style, which is very unfortunate and you know for someone to have and i am going to create a series that's coming up where i'm going to be talking about all the different attachment styles and and that's the thing that i that i love about you know podcasting and you might agree is i like to really educate and inform the the people that that are listening because i want to talk about stuff that I wasn't taught and that I want to learn. And so my like elevator speech is we live in a world of polarity and we are taught growing up, you know, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, you know, hot, cold, all that stuff. But why are we not teaching people the polarity of human beings? Because here's the, the God honest truth. When young people go out into the world, they leave the home and they dive into the ocean, they're going to be swimming with sharks. And wouldn't you like to give them a life vest or even a boat? Because everyone, everyone is going to run into someone narcissistic in their lifetime. It could be a boss. It could be a landlord. It could be a stranger. It could be a scammer. It could be an intimate partner. It could be a friend. It could be a teacher. It could be a coworker. We're all going to run into someone. Okay. We are. It's like almost close to 15% of the population has people with, you know, mental health issues, personality disorders. It might be even, you know, higher, but that's the percentage for like the cluster, you know, A, B, and C. There's three different clusters. And Everyone on this planet is going to experience some form of trauma, either directly or indirectly. So an example of that is 
I get in a car accident. That's direct trauma. But you witnessed my car accident and you have nightmares. And you're traumatized by my car accident. That's your indirect experience. All right. And then everyone on this planet is going to maybe struggle with a mental health issue. And that could be anxiety. It could be depression. Let's say your mom dies and you have depression over that. You, you know, you have grief. All of us are going to experience that. And so the point I want to make is I really want to educate these young people because one out of three women are going to experience some form of domestic violence. One out of three in their lifetime. And that's really, really high. And a lot of people might be thinking, well, I, you know, I'm young. I don't have to worry about this stuff. But when life does present you these situations, the more you're educated and informed, the better you can make a choice. And you're less likely to be victimized. You're less likely to get wounded. You're less likely to take their behaviors personally. Because when someone starts to gaslight you, like someone just this week was gaslighting me. And I literally had to step back and be like, they're gaslighting me. They're trying to make me question my reality and question who I am. And this is total crap. And what was even more funny is I was working on a presentation about how to communicate with difficult people. And in the presentation is, how do you know you're being verbally abused? And all the things that checked off what is verbal abuse, the person did to me. And I was like, wow, you know, but that's the beauty of it is if I would have let them gaslight me, I would have felt bad about myself and they could have played the victim and I would have fell for it, but I didn't. And that was the real nice thing is it helped me realize this had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with them. And so I want people to be able to handle those situations and look at it for what it really is instead of being taken advantage of, manipulated or controlled or even abused. You'd mentioned that statistic about one in three women end up being in a situation with domestic abuse or violence. I don't think you said violence. I think you said abuse. Are there some early warning signs or anything that people should be on the lookout for that might be indications that that there might be danger in the future, that it might be an abusive relationship? Well, I did a whole podcast about trauma bonding. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. When I was learning about narcissism, I realized that not one book I read talked about trauma bonding or how we get in a trauma bonding relationship and the biggest and when i learned it i was like oh my gosh you know this has been passed down from generation to generation to generation so let me give you an example my um my great grandmother was um narcissistic she was one of those extremely beautiful women she did not want anyone to know that my grandfather was her son and he had to walk like 10 feet behind her 
it was just really, really ridiculous. And she was very verbally abusive to him. And verbal abuse is a form of, it is domestic violence. It, you know, there is psychological abuse. There is the verbal and emotional abuse. Because a lot of people, when they think of domestic violence or, you know, abuse, they think of it as physical abuse. But verbal abuse and mental abuse actually is more damaging than physical because it leaves scars that will stay a lifetime. You know, you can be physically abused and, you know, your body heals and recovers. But even though you are physically abused, there's always a mental and emotional component to it. There always is. So here's an example. Let's say my great grandfather witnessed her being verbally abusive. And he would probably say to my, my grandfather, well, that's just how she is. Well, she had a really bad day today. So, and I warned you to leave her alone and, and see what happened. So that's a trauma bonded relationship because you're making excuses for the other person's behavior. You make excuses. You apologize for their behavior is another sign. You lie to friends and family about what happened. Oh, I just fell down the stairs when you really didn't fall down the stairs. Or they broke something and you lie. Oh, the cat knocked it over. No, the truth is, you know, he got mad and tried to throw it at you. So there's in the presentation, I really, I broke it down. And, and that's the thing is when I do a podcast, I really like to have a blog post go along with it so people can read it, they can look at it and really get a sense. And here's another thing, a lot of cultures are taught to be in a trauma bonded relationship. So there's the Hispanic culture and the Italian culture. They think that a man that is loud and boisterous, you know, and passionate, oh, he's so passionate, but that can be abusive. And so the problem is, is when you're taught that's what love is, you're gonna, when you meet someone normal and doesn't yell, and doesn't have those behaviors, you're going to find them boring. Oh, he he's not passionate. He's so boring. Just, you know, I try to get in a fight with him, you know, to, you know, because I want a heated conversation that that hot debate, but he won't do it. You know, and that's, that's the hard part is some people could be addicted to trauma bonding, because of the passionate makeup sex that they have, you know, afterwards. And, and so, well, and you could be in a trauma bonded relationship with your boss, where your boss keeps promising you a promotion, but doesn't give it to you. And you're like ready to quit, but they talk you out of it. Oh, no, if you just stay hanging another six months, I'll give you that promotion. And so you put up with their abuse and you put up with their abuse. And a lot of people don't realize it. They have no idea. So in there, I tell you what you should do, what, what are the signs to look for, how to recognize it, but then also how to get out of it. Because you could be in a trauma-bonded relationship with a friend where they're always egging you on to do something you don't want to do and you get in trouble. 
and you realize I really shouldn't have been doing that. I really shouldn't have been hanging around that person because they're just bad news. But it's that thrill and it's that excitement. And so you're you're stuck in that friendship relationship. And the hardest thing a lot of people don't realize is when you engage with some of those people that are that way, when you don't go along with them, they're going to do a huge smear campaign. And they're going to tell everyone all these terrible things about you. They might even lie about you. And they might even um, have people gang up against you if you don't go along with them. And so a smear campaign can be even more devastating. And so there's, there's ways where I was always told that the dumbest thing I did was I left the covert narcissist. I should have made him believe that he's the one leaving me because they always have to win. They don't want to lose. And so, um, and you'll, and you'll pay for the, you'll pay the price for it. So actually I, I did. And that's why I wrote the book, the undetected narcissist is he was able to fool over a dozen professionals that were meant to help us. So for example, he was able to convince the judge that if our son with autism lived with him, then all his autism behaviors would go away. And she believed it. But here's the fact, our kiddo still has autism, but he doesn't have the behaviors anymore. And here's the key thing, he doesn't see his narcissistic dad anymore. So was it the autism or was it trauma? Because it really was trauma. No one recognized all of his behaviors were trauma behaviors because his dad was so angry at me he was taking away everything this child loved from him. I'm going to take away your mom, your home, your friends, your school, your bedroom, your toys, your pets. I'm going to just take it all away from you. And, and the thing is, is this is happening to families all over the United States and they're getting away with it. And so that's why I wrote the book because we learn by being storytellers. We've been storytellers for eons, eons. And I didn't find one book that actually told their story of how I met the person, when I left the person, and then how he spent five years plotting to destroy me and create a huge smear campaign. And they do that. I mean, you saw what happened to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I mean, all of us, when we watched it, we were like, this is crazy. Who does this stuff? But when we found out her diagnosis, it all made sense. We were like, now we know who she is. Now we understand this, you know, this woman. But all of us were in the dark. All of us were confused. All of us were like, this is like nuts. And it was nuts because he was dealing with someone that was mentally unstable. Definitely, definitely. Well, Angela, we're getting towards the end of the time, and and I love what you shared so far, and and I love the idea that that you do the blog post that goes hand in hand with the episode. I think that that is so beneficial, and having having the two to be able to to reference and and take a deeper dive in into your episodes, and I'm definitely going to have to to listen to some more of your episodes and and 
and also pull up the blog and do all that. But if you wouldn't mind sharing with, with the listeners, if they're interested in finding out more about the Undetected Narcissist podcast or the book, where can they find you? Great question. So the book is on Amazon right now, and it's only, um, I think it's like $13.99 for the book. And the Kindle version is, um, I think it's like 10 bucks. The website is undetectednarcissist.com. It's the same name as the podcast and the blog post is attached to it. And so I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Um, anyone, anyone can email me. I also do coaching for people that are in a narcissist situation to, you know, better support them, answer any questions, but most importantly, you know, help them be safe. And even on the website, there's a section for domestic violence resources, because there's so much support out there that I, I, I want people to get it and look at it. And, and don't be afraid. That's the most important thing is like you were saying, that word narcissism is like so taboo people are like oh you know but this whole conversation we had is it's a beautiful thing and it's not scary and it's to shed a light on a subject that we don't want to talk about but we need we're gonna have to talk about it eventually yeah absolutely and 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 it's so important for us to do that work and to to address those traumas and and I love just hearing all the different perspectives. And, and that's one of the things I love about the show and getting to talk with different people is just learning about all these different aspects of life and, you know, seeing how different things, how childhood trauma and our environments and all these different things, how it has these lasting impacts in our lives. And, the, you know, a lot of the behaviors that we have today, we might not even attribute to some of the things that have happened in our past. But then as we begin to to explore, especially coming from a recovery space, like going through my past and, and seeing different things in my life and realizing, oh, this is probably why I, I initially started using drugs and I was trying to cover this feeling and, you know, trying to escape from this and, you know, being able to unpack all these things and really, really begin to understand some of the decisions that, that we've made and, and, I think it's just so important for us to see all the different pieces to this puzzle. And I really do appreciate you coming on today, talking with us about narcissism and, and, you know, some of the traumas and things that we go through in relationships. And I, I can't wait to, to take a deeper dive into some of your stuff and, and really see what all you have there and, and learn from you. So I really, really do appreciate you. I'm so, so grateful we were able to connect today. I am as well. And thank you. And I want you to have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you do the same. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I had a great time talking with you. If you guys are interested in finding out more about Angela or her book or her podcast or anything else that she does, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.